Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. In just a moment, I want to read a portion of scripture from the book of John in chapter 1 this morning, but give me a second just to set the scene. Uh, John the Baptist has come on the scene, and this is a crazy guy. He is out in the middle of the wilderness preaching, hey, repent, get ready, a Savior is coming, and people are coming from all over to hear John the Baptist. Well, listen, he shows up, and then there's this moment where Jesus comes on the scene, and he is like, oh, this is the dude that everybody, because I'm pretty sure he said dude, like everybody, this is the guy that we've been waiting for. And all of a sudden, John's disciples, these guys that were following John, leave John and begin to follow Jesus, right? So this is where it's seen. It, the scene takes up. People are beginning, this is the very beginning, uh, Jesus is going public. People are beginning to follow Jesus, and this happens in the book of John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 40. Now, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who, who heard that John said, who said about Jesus and then began to follow him. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Now, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas which means Peter. Now the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, listen, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, and Andrew and Peter's hometown. Now Philip went to go and look for Nathaniel. Now, like, I get it. There's all of these names, all of these places. Like, I don't, I don't get what's going on. I get it, right? It's like, who, Philip, and then we're changing names here. All of this is going on. And this one dude, Philip, like he's going to tell this guy, Nathaniel, like that's where we're at. And he told him, we have found the very person that Moses and all the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. At which at this point, when Nathaniel hears Nazareth, it's like, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth. Does anything good come from Shalot? I mean, <laughs> seriously, like, does any, like, y'all saying this is the savior of the world. I ain't even heard of Shalot. Like, I ain't even heard of Nazareth. Nazareth, anything. And he's just like, I understand. Come and see for yourself. Now, Philip replied, like, as they reproached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And to which he replies, how do you know about me? Jesus said, I could see you underneath the fig tree before Philip found you. And Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. To which Jesus said, do you believe this just because I told you that I have seen you underneath the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. You will see greater things than these. Now, 
before we really get into it this morning, uh, I just want to say a special welcome. If you're here this morning and you are not a believer in Jesus, man, I am so excited that you are here. Like, I understand how much courage it took to walk through those doors. Because, like, let's face it, Christians are just super weird. Like, do some weird stuff, say some really dumb things. There's a good chance, like, you've probably been hurt by someone before, like maybe it's the church that's hurt you, man. There's maybe some pain in your life. But I just want to say, like, I understood, understand what it takes to walk through these doors. And I just want to say you're welcome here. The, 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 let me go ahead and get this out the bag. We all know that you're messed up, right? But here's something you should know. We're messed up too, right? Like, if you came here and you came looking for something perfect, like... The only perfect is Jesus, right? Amen. And so I am just one beggar that has found the bread and that's just trying to tell everybody else about it. Listen, we found some bread. His name's Jesus. And that's exactly what's happening in this scripture. Jesus is coming on the scene, and they're like, this is the one that we've been waiting for. And so the, all of these names, like if you caught the names or not, all it is is people saying, we found something special, and we need to tell somebody else about it. I need to tell some family. I need to tell some friends. Uh, we believe that this is the guy. Have you ever had something that it was just special, and it was just so special you had to tell somebody else about it? I remember the first time I ate at Indochine in Wilmington. I was like, oh, if you guys don't know the joys of Indochine in Wilmington, you, just like they said in the scriptures, you just got to go and see. You got to see it for yourself. Like, this place is amazing. It is the best food, and it's so good that... You just got to tell somebody, like, remember like, when Chick-fil-A was first becoming popular? And someone was like, dude, there's this chicken sandwich. And you're just like, ah, chicken sandwich. It's, it's just a, eh. And they're just like, I know, but come and see. <laughs> and then they're telling you about the sandwich. It's like, it's chicken and it's bread and there's pickles. And you're like, that kind of sounds boring. Like, I don't, from Nazareth? What? Chick-fil-A? They can't even spell it right? And, and you're like, but I'll try. And you go and you bite down into the sandwich and you're like, the Savior has come. <laughs> like this is, let's go and tell someone else <laughs> about this place. And there's been a line about around the building for 50 years now. So, I mean, that is the moment. That is what is happening. Uh, people are coming to Christ. And, and, and it, it's, a, it's amazing. And it, but there's this moment that the scriptures give us, and it, it really focuses in on this moment where Nathaniel has heard about Jesus, and he wants to go see him, but he's, he's like, I, I just can't believe it. I just, from Nazareth, I'm just not sure. I don't, I don't think this could be right. It's that moment where on your phone, you're like, boom, it's the caller ID, and you're like, okay, and you answer it only to realize it's a telemarketer. And you're like, no. And, like, and that's what Nathaniel, he's like, oh, the Savior. Yes, the Savior. Nazareth? No. Right? And so like, there's this disappointment in his, in his eyes, but his friends, just his brothers, come and see. Now, this is the scene. And this is what happens. He walks up to Jesus. And as he's walking up, Jesus says these words. Now, here is a genuine son of Israel. A man of complete integrity. Like, that's awesome, right? Imagine Jesus saying that to you. But here's the problem. If Jesus, like, he, what he's saying is on one hand giving him this amazing compliment 
while on the other hand, insulting everybody else in the crowd. Because he's like, this is a true Israelite. Everyone there was an Israelite. This would be the equivalent of like, I don't know where Pete comes into the room. And I'm like, finally, a good church member. <laughs> like, a man of complete integrity, a good church member. And like, it's good for Pete, but everyone's like, bro. Like, whoa. I mean, that's the scene. Here, finally, a true Israelite, which everyone else is like, we're Israelites too. We, we also... Like, this, this, this is just incredible that this is happening. Imagine going and sitting down for a meal with your wife, and you're at, a, you're at Indochine. <laughs> and, you, and the waitress or the waiter, they, they, they bring the food to you, and you're like, finally, a good meal. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then when you pick your teeth off the ground... Like, this is the scene. Like, Jesus, you're just starting your ministry. This is not how you're supposed to do things. Like, have you ever seen in the scriptures, there's what you're supposed to do, and then there's what Jesus does. Jesus does the complete opposite of everything you're supposed to do. Like, Jesus, you're just starting out. You're just building your crowd. Hey, this is good. Get some people with you. Don't insult everybody at the same time. Like, you've got a crowd of 5,000 people. That's amazing, Jesus. This is where you start a church and you get everybody together, and Jesus just leaves. Like, Jesus, we've got to teach you some lessons. This is not how you're supposed to do it. Or maybe it is. Maybe it's us that have it wrong. And, and this is the scene. Jesus has, has said this seemingly insult to the rest of the crowd. So I've just got to imagine if I'm in the crowd, I'm thinking to myself, Whoa, 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 hold, hold on, Jesus. I'm an Israelite too. What are you saying? But nothing happens. Like the crowd is silent. No one says a thing. And it can only be because like everyone knows this guy, Nathaniel. Like this guy is a man of integrity. This guy is a man of character. And so he is kind of like the Michael Jordan of Jews. Like this guy is just, everyone knows him by reputation. Everyone in that town would be like, hey, yeah, Nathaniel, whenever Jesus spotted out, we understand, man, th this guy, he's a complete man of integrity. We understand that. And, and it's just, the crowd doesn't, like, stop, stop the party. They just say, this is what it is. And, and then this is what gets even more crazy, is that Nathaniel himself doesn't say anything to Jesus. As a matter of fact, his response is, uh, how have you heard about my reputation? Wait, 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 hold on. How have you heard about my reputation? Because there's only two things at this point in his life that Nathaniel knows about Jesus. One is that there's a group of people, his brothers, his friends included, that believe this could be the Messiah. And two, he's from Nazareth. The only thing that he knows, people believe that he's the Christ, and two, he's from Nazareth. And so when he's asking the question, how do you know about my reputation? In other words, people in my city know about me, but how does anybody from Nazareth know about me? I mean, people, people like, have you ever tried to describe where you live? Like, have you ever, like, where do you live? I live in Shalot. Oh, you meant Charlotte. No, no, no. Shalot. And you do this 50 times only to be like, I live outside of Wilmington. Right? <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, I'm north of Myrtle Beach. You, know, you just give up because you're like, 
Yeah, it's there. Just it's on the map. And, and like he, this is like people know me in my town. They know my reputation. They know I'm a man of a dare. But like no one from Nazareth knows me. How can you know me? Does anyone know about this? And so there's this question. And then this is where it gets really interesting. This is where the ball drops. This is where Jesus says these words, and the whole tone of the scene changes. He says, "Listen, I saw you." underneath the fig tree. Before Philip came and found you, I saw you. And this is the moment where Nathaniel is, I'm thinking he's experiencing two things. One is just complete shock because, whoa, 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 no one was around when I was underneath the fig tree. There's no way that this guy could know how did he know? How is he seeing something in me? Was there a webcam? You know, was someone Facebook live in me? No, no, no technology back then. Like, he's there. He's like, whoa. So there's this instant fear. This guy knows something about me that nobody else knows. He saw me underneath the fig tree. See, everybody else has seen me and knows me by my reputation. I'm a man of character. I'm a man of integrity. But he sees the things that nobody else has seen. And so he's caught now, and there's this tension within him because he understands now I'm standing in the presence of a man who sees beyond what everybody else just sees. And there's this fear that, whoa, 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 what if you know some things that I don't want anyone else to know? Like, imagine that this morning. That's like, I got up here and was like, yeah, I saw you yesterday, Chuck, when you were doing fill in the blank. And you're like, I'm never going back to that church. <laughs> right? Like Jesus, it's like this instant fear. But then it's coupled by this idea because in each side of one, inside of us as humans, as, as humanity as a whole, we are built and we are made for relationships. So there's something inside of us that says, even though I don't want anyone to know me, I need somebody to know me. I need somebody to know all of me. I need someone to know not just what everybody else knows about me. I need someone that knows all of me. And I'm torn. I'm living in this tension because there's the piece of me that I don't want anyone to know about this. I don't want anyone to know about the secrets. I don't want anyone to know, like, I have messed up. There's doubts and there's fears. And I don't want, but I need someone to know. And that's why a secret never remains a secret. Because you know you shouldn't tell anybody, but you've got to tell someone. I've got to get this off my chest. I've got to get this out of my soul because someone's got to know. I know that I shouldn't say a thing, but I need someone to know me. But there's this fear. And the fear is, if you really knew me, you wouldn't want me. The fear is, if you really knew what was happening underneath the fig tree... If we really knew what was happening that no one else saw in the shadows of my heart, you wouldn't want me. Would, would anybody want me? Kyle, man, I, I want to know, I saw you this morning. I saw when you were making that bacon, egg, and cheese. I saw when that piece of bacon dropped on the ground, and you ate it anyway. Because it's bacon, and that's just what we do. It's just like, oh, oh man, Pastor... Why are you seeing this stuff in my house? It's this moment. And to, to someone, 
But if you knew all the stuff, what, would, would you want me? Would you want me? I, I, like, I got to tell you, I love chick flicks. I do. I mean, I'm telling you, like, if I could get just the Hallmark Channel, it's a confession. I mean, I'm just, if the church knew this about me, the church knew that, like, I cried in Titanic. I did. I cried in all those movies. Come on. Come on, Jack. You can make it. You don't have to freeze in that water. Rose, move over. There's room for both of y'all on that door. Come on. Girl, you ain't that big. Move over. Leonardo, he's gone. I just, this is me. That's me. I need someone to know me. You need someone to know you, to understand you. But there's a thing that you don't want anyone else to know. I remember years ago I wanted to do this marriage series. And I had an idea and I said, hey, I want to bring in three different couples that were at three different stages in their marriage. One that was just brand new couple and, and they're just honeymooning and loving it. And then one that's kind of uh, been doing it for maybe 10, 15 years. And then this couple that and they've been married for a long time and uh, 40 years plus. And I remember asking this one couple, hey, I'd also, I'd like to bring you on the stage because I know you've been through the pain of divorce. And both of you guys have been through the divorce, and now you're, uh, you're, you're together. And I'd like to bring it, and I'd like to just talk about that at the church. And they were like, no. Ooh, no, we don't, we don't talk about divorce. I was like, why not? Well, we don't want anyone else to know that we went through that. I'm like, Okay. And every one of you can relate. I can relate. There's things that we don't want anyone else to know. Because if you knew, if you knew that there's three failed marriages, you may not want me. If you knew that I just got fired. If you knew that there was an addiction. If you knew that there was a pain. If you knew that there was a loss. If you knew what I was struggling with. If you knew my doubt, my fear. If you knew what happened. The records were supposed to be sealed, but somehow they came out. Man, if you only knew... Would, would you want me? There's, there's this story in the scriptures, and, and Alan, could you bring me? I got a rock back there. there, there there's a story in the scriptures of a woman, I believe it's in John chapter 8, maybe 7, 8, and um, it says that this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. And the leaders bring her to Jesus. Now, it's interesting that they bring her, and the dude's nowhere to be found, because she was caught in the act, like there had to be a dude. Anyway, so, like the guys always get off scot-free. Anyway, so she's there, and, and imagine for a moment the scene. She's there, she, she's caught in this act of adultery, and, and the leaders come before Jesus, and they pose this question. Hey, listen, here is the woman, she's been caught in the act. Now what do you say? And they actually even point to the scriptures, and they look, listen, there is a law, it was given to us by Moses. It says this, that if a woman commits adultery, we stone her death. There's judge, jury, executioner, all in the same moment. And the woman is just standing there. She's standing there in the midst of a crowd, surrounded by men that are holding stones, except for one. And she's standing there, and she doesn't say a word because she's guilty. There's no defense here. There's no, but it was someone else, or there's, there's no excuse. She understands she's 100% guilty. Everything that they're saying is true. 
I did this thing, I've wronged, I've sinned, there is the law, it's written, there is a penalty, there is a judgment, and she knows that in just a few minutes, she is going to die. And to which the leaders use this, could you imagine just the shame that this woman was feeling? I mean, standing before all of these people, knowing that your shame and your guilt, everything is out in the open, and there's no defending it, yes, I did it, and I know what's about to happen to me. And they asked Jesus the question, what do you say? And to which Jesus is kind of like, almost in this voice of just, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And there's just silence. The crowd is there. The rocks are in their hands. Because they've already made their judgment. They already know, listen, there's a law. There's a process. This is what's going to happen. There's no getting around it. I've already decided this is what we've chosen. And now Jesus has absolutely flipped the script and said, which one of you isn't this woman? He who is without sin cast the first stone. And then the Bible tells us that one by one, they began to drop their stones. And I could just imagine the woman standing there, hearing the sound of the stones dropping. And the next stone. And the next stone. And then the men left one by one, except for one. The only person in that whole crowd that could have cast the stone, the only person that was sinless, was now standing there, surrounded by stones, the very weapon he could have used to take her life, would have been justified by the law. And he looks at her, and he says, neither do I go and sin no more. I know you. I see you. And instead of choosing death, I'm choosing life. I'm speaking something into your life. See, he doesn't just like, he doesn't cover up the sin. He's like, yeah, yeah, you, you were wrong. But I'm going to tell you this, go and sin no more. I am now empowering you. There's something, that, there's, there's something more inside of you than what everyone else sees. You, you can do this thing. You don't have to live like that anymore. I see you. I know you. I know everything. All of those other guys that thought that they saw you, listen, I see something else. And the truth is I saw something in them. And I've called it out. And now I'm saying, listen, go and sin no more. Neither do I. Neither do I. I mean, just this powerful moment where Jesus speaks life. He speaks grace. I know what you did, but that's not who you are. I know what you did, Nikki, but that's not who you are. I know what you did, Lucas. I know what you did, Tommy. I know what you did, Travis. I saw you underneath the fig tree when no one else saw you, but that's not who you are. I know what you did, but that's not who you are. It's not who I've created you to be. I saw you long before Philip saw you. 
As a matter of fact, I saw you long before your mama saw you or your daddy saw you. I saw you in the womb, and I had a plan for you, and I had a purpose for you. Even before you saw you, I saw you, and I see something in you that you don't even see in you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to call something out in you that you might not even know. Longing and searching. Here's the thing. Long before you were searching for God, God was searching for you. He saw you long before you saw you. Jesus saw Nathaniel long before Nathaniel saw, saw Jesus. Jesus saw and he speaks hope. To this woman, he speaks life. To Nathaniel, he speaks, here's the thing, he speaks to his integrity. He's like, listen, here comes, here comes this, this Israelite full, full of integrity. Jesus could have spoken to his prejudice. Because even Nathaniel, with all of his integrity, still had prejudice. Because what we know about him so far is, man, nothing good could come out of Nazareth. So there's already an infinity for a place that, like, I've already made up in my mind that, listen, nothing could happen with this group of people. So there's a prejudice in him, but Jesus said, no, 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 listen, there's something in you, and I want to call it out. As a matter of fact, he does this to each one of the disciples to the point where he's actually even changing names. There's something that your mama named you, but there's something I'm naming you, Peter. I know, I know, I know that they, they, they call you this, Simon, but the truth is we're getting ready to change your name to Peter. You're going to be a rock. See, there's something, there's names, there's labels that people have put on you, but that ain't necessarily the name or the label that God calls you. And we have got to come into his presence and hear his voice, and he's saying something completely different. He's saying, listen, let me call out some life. Let me call out some hope. Um, Abraham, I, I know it looks like you're, fa- like you're childless, but I'm calling you the father of many nations. It doesn't look like it on the surface, Abraham, but step outside of your tent for a minute. Look up to the stars. That's what it's going to look like. Try to count them if you can. To everyone else, childless, but to me, I'm saying you're going to be the father of many nations. He's calling something out. Later on, it goes through the family line from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. Uh, uh, Jacob to this point where his name literally means deceiver. And towards this point with God, and God's like, no, no, we're changing your name to Israel. Because yeah, yeah, you are a deceiver. You've messed up with your family. You've messed up with your brother. You've lied. You cheated. You've stolen. You've done all of these things. But I'm calling something else out of you. I'm changing your name. I'm giving you a new label because I see something in you. I saw you underneath the fig tree. I see it in you. I see it in you. There's um, this study that was done uh, years ago. It wasn't a uh, a Christian study or anything like that. It was in our educational system. And a group uh, of um, superintendents, uh, people got together, and they conducted this experiment. And so they got all of the kids in this one school to take uh, this test. And so they took the test, and they got all the results back. And then they went to the teachers, and they said, hey, listen, we've taken uh, all this test from all of the students. We've gotten uh, their scores back. We know which students are the brightest, which students have uh, the most competence, which students show the most potential. And we've, we've divided them up. And they went to certain teachers, and they told the teachers, listen, hey, in your class, you've got some of the brightest students in the school. 
some of the brightest students in school, teachers, yes, 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 yes. And, and that's not the truth at all. They gave just this random group of kids, the dumb as a rock kids. They were in that class. The, the kids, that, and that was a joke. I don't, there ain't no kids as dumb as a rock. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. <laughs> Sometimes you say things, and then you got to back up. There ain't no, I'm the dumb as a rock kid. Uh, forgive me, all right? All of the kids, not just the genius kids, are in this teacher's classroom. And so the teacher's pumped, the teacher's stoked. And you know what happened? So this is just a random group of kids. No, no, no higher, no lower, just, just total random. All, the only difference was they told the teacher that these kids were special. You know what happened as they began to test? Those test scores rose higher than any other class in the entire school. What was different? The label. Because they were labeled, and the teacher thought, man, because I've been told that there's something of greatness in this child, she was able and he was able to bring out the greatness in that child. And I'll tell you the opposite is true. Whenever we begin to label people as stupid, as, hey, you're, you're, you're just as dumb as a rock, we begin to take on those labels. And what once was genius can become to live down to the level in which the words and the labels that we've put on our lives. And it's happening here with the disciples in which uh, even Peter is saying, listen, like, you've been named one thing. There's been rabbi after rabbi that has told you that you're not good enough, but I'm telling you that you're good enough. And not only are you good enough, Peter, but you're a rock. And I've seen it all. Listen, Nathaniel, I saw you underneath the fig tree. We've got to watch how we label things. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up uh, in a minute. And, and just for a second, I, I want to talk to prim primarily the believers in the room this morning. And uh, I, I've really just been thinking about this a lot lately. Man, as a church, man, our heart beats. We want to see people come to Christ. Man, I, I want to see, see more and more people come just to the life-giving Christ of Jesus. Man, he changes everything. But I've learned this, and I'm learning this lesson. And again, if you're in here, I'm really just talking to the believers. People will see you before they see Christ. Before they see Christ, they're going to see you. See, see, as a Christian, I think we forget that sometimes. Because I can look, at, look out and, and I can see people like Kevin, who, man, I, I, I love Kevin. I love his family. I, I look into his life and I can see some of the gifts and the talents and the calling. I see a man that excels at his work. And I look and I was like, man, I, can, I, I understand that Jesus has gifted him. I look at some of you guys and I look at Ray and I, and I can see that it's the Spirit of God and Jesus working in him. I, I look at Carla, which is Chris's wife. And I know that there's so much patience there because she's married to this dude. Yeah. And it's only by the grace of God. I know that there's some Jesus in that woman because she's put up with this dude. My wife has put up with me, right? There's this grace in the mercy. But if I don't understand that as an unbeliever, I only see Chris. I only see Carla. I only see you, Bob. I only see you. And, and when I see you, I see, man, that maybe there's something different 
in that person's life. I don't know that it's Jesus. I don't know what God has done. I just know that there's something that they have that you got that I want, Tommy. And I'm drawn to it. And, and, and it might not be till way later on that I realize, oh yeah, that was Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, we to be his hands, his feet, to just love the world, to not stand there with the rocks in our hand and cast judgment, because let's be honest, you and I have no idea what we're talking about. We cast judgment on people, and we don't know what they've been through. Even when we know that we know, even when we've caught you in the very act, I don't know what's going on in your heart. And like Jesus, I want to be one that just doesn't cover it up and say, listen, go and sin no more. There's hope for you. And the only reason, the only thing that you're seeing this in my life is because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. If everyone would please stand with me this morning. I want to close with, with a quick story. Uh, this story isn't my story. It's from um, a book called The Holy Wild by Mark Buchanan. Highly recommend the book. Really good, good read, especially for the men. Especially for the men. Uh, the Holy Wild by Mark Buchanan. Uh, he tells the story in the book of, um, I can't remember exactly where he's living up north at the time because I remember there was snow on the ground. Uh, or, uh, not during the story, in the book there was snow on the ground. I think this happened in the summer. But uh, he tells the story of in his basement. It had to be up north. There's a basement, right? We don't, <laughs> basement, basements. Anyway, um, in his basement... Uh, they had this couch, and in the couch, that's where people would come over, and there'd be guests, and they would, the, the guests would, it would fold out, it was a fold-out couch, and uh, people would sleep there. Well, at some point in time, a snake had gotten into their basement, right? And this little snake had all these little baby snakes inside of this couch. Like, amazing. Like, like, and so, like, they went down there one day to sit and lay on this couch, and these little snakes come running out. Which is like, oh, the worst nightmare ever. I would have just peed my pants. And I hate snakes. Like, it's, it, I do. I just, I mean, uh, anyway. Like, that's a good snake. No, there's no such thing. Um, so they, Mark gets all the snakes, gets them out of the house. They, they, they wrap the couch with a bag, you know, making sure just in case there's any other snakes in this thing. They, they fumigate the whole basement. They, they get it all just like make sure that there's no snakes in there. Time goes by. And, uh, you know, all, all the snakes are gone. All the, 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 uh, the little demons have left. <laughs> and, um, but, but something's changed in the house. The wife says, I, I can no longer go down there and sit on that couch. I, I can't sit on that couch because every time I go to that couch, I think a snake's going to get me. And, and Mark's like, man, we just got to burn the couch. <laughs> like, we can't even, she won't even let me give it away. We've got to burn the couch. There's nothing wrong with this couch but we've had this experience and now we blame the couch and maybe there's some people in the room this morning that you've had a bad experience you've, you've, you've come and like maybe it's been a pastor that has hurt you deeply maybe it's been another Christian that man you've looked at their life and it's anything but 
what Christ would represent, and you've been hurt. And maybe because you've been hurt for so long, you've burned the couch. You decided, God, you can't be good because look at what's happened. But here's the thing. I, I've learned this. Like, people, like, and if you're in this room and you're far from Christ, like, nobody's, like, not even atheists, nobody's mad at what Jesus has done. They're hurt by what his followers has done. There's not one single person I've ever talked to that's just like, it's totally Jesus. Like, no, nah, it was a hurt and a pain because of one of us. And I'm here to tell you this morning, like, don't burn the couch just because you got introduced to a few snakes. Like, there's a big difference between Jesus and his followers. We are all fallen. We all need his grace. We all need his mercy. And there, there are some, that there are some wolves in sheep's clothes. The Bible tells us that. And listen, I, and we're here this morning, I just want to say, listen, this is a God who saw you underneath the fig tree. This is a God who's been chasing after you, even if you're not chasing after him. This is a God who went to the cross and died for you because he loves you. This is a God who, when he could have thrown the stone, he didn't. He went to the cross, and by his blood, man, you can live free, and you could have hope in his name. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.